Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. People have asked me this morning about the golf shirt I have on, <laughs> that I felt like I owe you an explanation. I have, a, I have a golf match right after the service, and I wasn't sure I'd have time to go home and change. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. Uh, uh, I just I got tired of trying to look as good as Bill Jenkins. Stand up, Brother Bill. Stand up. Look here. <laughs> Actually, somebody looked at me and they looked at Bill and they said, what's the difference? I said, he's a real preacher. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We have a good time around here. No, I wore it because I wanted to wear it. Don't you think it looks good? Come on. Come on. There you go. All right, I want my wife to notice how many people clap so I don't get in too much trouble when... When, when I get home. Hey, you want to hear a good report? We have two of our regulars on the praise team today that are absent. My daughter, Carolyn Lewis, uh, and, and Priscilla Lewis. You, some of you may not know, but they are sister-in-laws. They married brothers. The reason they're not here today is because their father-in-law, Dorman Lewis, the owner of Gulf Coast Lumber, got saved and is being baptized today. And here's another good report, and that is this morning, the first service in our Children's Worship Center, and many of our folks are out of this service, and they're over there, and, uh, and I'm so excited. I, I, I want to be over there myself, but I'm, a, but I'm stuck, stuck with you guys. <laughs> hey, and, and some real good news. I, I can't, I, I just have to keep testifying and giving God the glory. That building cost $1.2 million, and it's paid for. We never borrowed a penny. And, and the reason we never had to borrow money, the reason, is not because we took up a lot of special offerings. We didn't. Not because we did a lot of begging, because we didn't. But because God's people were faithful in giving. And when God guides, He provides. Amen. Alright, this morning, the title of the message is A Tale of Three Veils. A Tale of Three Veils. The word veil is used many times in the Bible and it simply means a covering or a separation so that something is out of sight and can't be seen. All three of the veils that I'll talk about this morning covered and concealed the glory of God, made the glory of God difficult to see. Now, the interesting thing about these three veils is this. One of the veils was put on by a man. One of the veils was put on by God. And one of the veils 
was put on by Satan. So we'll look at these three veils. But in each case, the glory of God, the light of his glorious presence was covered and veiled. Now, the first veil that hid the light of God's glory was put on by man, and you've probably already guessed. You know who that was, right? Moses. Moses put this veil on after he saw the glory of God. Now, I won't read the scriptures to you, but you can find all of this in Exodus chapter 34. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Moses went to the mountain of God by himself and spent 40 days in the presence of God. The Bible tells us that he did not eat or drink for 40 days. It was a supernatural fast. Most of the theologians believe that Moses was sustained by the glory of God. After 40 days, Moses descended from the mountain not knowing that his face was shining and glowing with the glory of God. He didn't even know it. And when he came back into the camp, the Bible tells us that Aaron, his brother, and the children of Israel were so frightened by the presence of the glory of God which was on his face that they would not come near him. And so Moses made a decision. He decided to put a veil on his face so that the people would come close to him and he could teach them. Now what you'll find as you read the passage of Scripture is that when Moses would go in before the Lord, he would take the veil off. He didn't need a veil when he was in God's presence. And then when he would go out before the people, he'd put the veil back on so that he wouldn't frighten the people and so he could teach them what God had told him on the mountain. Now, when I read that story, I just think, Uh, to myself, how absolutely amazing that is, that a mortal man could get so close to the God of the universe that he would begin to be changed and transformed into the image of the glory of God and begin to reflect that glory. When Moses was there on the mountain, so long with God, a transformation began And without him even knowing it, he started shining and glowing with the glory of God. That leads me to say to you today, friends, that I don't really think that is an unusual situation. The fact is, he was gazing upon the glory of God, and then he began to reflect the glory of God. I suggest to you that you might need to be careful what you gaze upon. Because that's what you'll soon start reflecting. Well, Moses had gazed upon the glory of God. He came down. He wanted to teach and share the gospel with the people around him. The good news that God had given him on the mountain. And the only way he could get him to come close was to put a veil on. And so he put the veil on so that he wouldn't scare them slapped to death. Have you ever been around a man of God or a woman of God that was walking so close to God that they scared you? I have. A number of times. Uh, One of my favorite stories uh, that I like to tell 
was years ago, uh, not long after we became River of Life, I invited a man uh, related to some of the folks in the church who was, uh, who was a modern-day prophet. He moved in the prophetic. Now, let me explain something to you. There are no prophets today like the Old Testament prophets. There are none. Don't you let anybody tell you there's no such thing as a prophet today like the Old Testament prophets. By the way, we don't need those Old Testament prophets anymore. We have something better than those Old Testament prophets. We have the Holy Spirit who teaches us what we need to learn, and the Holy Spirit speaks into us. But nevertheless, in the New Testament, we do read that there are people who have the gift of prophecy. They flow in a prophetic ministry, and we would simply call them modern-day prophets, not to the degree they were in the Old Testament, but absolutely modern-day prophets who are gifted by God. This man was one of those men, flowing in the prophetic, gifted. Amazing. I, I invited him to speak and mini- to minister, and I have to tell you, up to that point in my life, I was pretty much of a skeptic. I had never seen it work. I'd never seen it in action. <clears throat> that night, he stood in front of our church. We were not in this worship center at that time. We were still in Sopchoppy. He stood in front of the church, and people started coming up to him for him to speak over them and to pray over them. And I have to tell you, I'm a little bit overly protective at times. And I stood right by his side because I wasn't sure he was the real deal. And I wasn't sure this was going to work. And I was sure that if the Holy Spirit told me, I'd shut this thing down. And I stood right by his side and several people started coming and he started saying things over them. And, and then he would pray over them. I have to tell you that my eyes were as big as saucers. I couldn't believe what I was hearing him say. I, I, I had had counseling sessions with individuals in the church who had shared deep and personal things with me that they told me they had never shared with another soul and I had never shared them with another soul. And this man of God would stand in front of them. Sometimes he'd close his eyes and he'd read their mail. I was quite nervous that night. (laughs) I remember, and by the way, I've asked permission to share this. I remember that Ben Withers, seated back in the back, Ben came up and Ben stood in front of him and he put his hands up like this. And this is what he said. He said, Ben, God is showing me that you are in charge of a group of men, a group of men who are in trouble, a group of men who are struggling, a group of men whose souls are hanging in the balance, and you have a great responsibility. God wants you to take that responsibility over those men. And then he simply prayed for Ben. That was it. That was it. But what I knew, and what Ben knew, And what this prophet did not know except that God had revealed it to him is that time Ben had about 25 to 30 guys working for him. And Ben had told me personally that sometimes on Monday morning he'd have to go get four or five of them out of jail just to get them back on the job on Monday morning. And here's this guy, and I I tell you, Ben, that was the first time I thought, this stuff is really real. 
God can whisper in somebody's ear and they can say things that they don't know apart from the moving of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and this is amazing stuff. I, I want to tell you, I really do believe in the right context, the right situation, that we need all the gifts in the New Testament. We need them functioning in the church. But the truth of the matter is, some of them we're just scared to death of, and this is one of them. Several people came to get prayer. Betty Fusco, seated right back here, Betty came. I won't ever forget these words. Betty stood in front of him and he held his hand up like this. He closed his eyes and he had never met her before. He didn't know anything about her life. And he opened his eyes and this is what he said. He said, Betty, he said, you couldn't cheat on God if you tried. You are a woman of God. And you couldn't cheat on God if you tried. And then he just prayed over her. Whew! You know what? We like it when people say good things, don't we? Well, we like that. I lie not. There was a woman who just stepped up, went to the front of the line. Man, he had, she had just heard him say such beautiful, glorious words over Betty. And she stepped up there and she said, I'm next. He held his hands up. And when he opened his eyes, I could see the look on his face. And I won't call her name, but he said, Ma'am, you've got sin in your home. And if you don't get it out, you'll be divorced in six months. I knew because she had talked with me personally, and she had told me that she and her husband, mostly her husband, she was getting under conviction and talking to me about it, but she and her husband had been dabbling in witchcraft and black magic and Ouija boards. And when he said that to her, she looked at me. To this day, I'm convinced that woman believes that I told him. She turned, she left the church. I think she was angry with me. I think she was angry with him. But listen, when God speaks, He cannot lie. Within six months, that woman was divorced. I heard Him say good things. I heard Him say confrontational things. I heard Him get in the face of people and He would say something good and glorious, but then He'd turn around and and confront somebody about their sin. I heard him say with my own ears, I heard him say to one man, this is strong stuff now, he said to one man, that's a lie, you know it's a lie, I know it's a lie, God knows it's a lie, and I will not minister to you as long as you're lying to me. And that man just broke and started weeping and said, yes, I've lied to you. And he said, okay, if you'll get honest, I'll minister to you. And he did. Well, i got to tell you, if you can imagine, my eyes are that big around. I'm watching all this. I'm hearing what other people aren't hearing. And I'm, but, but, but it was loud enough. A lot of people were hearing some of it at least. And so I went on a journey that night. I started running around the church. I started grabbing people by the arm. This is, this is real. This is real. I grabbed him on the arm. I said, come on, come on. You, you gotta go up there. You gotta let him speak over you. You've gotta let him pray over you. You know what I heard? 
No way. I have people tell me, there's no way that man will ever speak over me. There's no way he'll ever pray over me. Why? Because they thought he was a fraud? Because they thought he was fraudulent? No, because they had identified the glory of God and it scared them. Just like the people in Moses' day. They saw the glory of God and they were afraid of it. And they, they drew back. Oh my goodness. Now, I, I want to I be critical of the prophet. Now, I've already told you I think he was genuine. I already told you I think he was full of the glory of God. I already told you he was telling the truth. I already told you. I told you all those things, but I want to be critical just a little bit. I feel like that man and many others that I've met, met since that day would have had a far more effective ministry impacting the lives of people had he done exactly what Moses did. Had he just veiled it just a little bit. They just put a veil on it. You don't have to tell people everything you know. And sometimes you can whisper it in their ear. And you don't have to embarrass people. And, and, and by the way, just on, on the other side of that, and I believe in the prophetic, and I believe in people who flow in this. I've met them before in, in my life. But you listen to me today. I'm your pastor. I'm telling you the truth. When you run into a so-called modern-day prophet, and all he ever has to say to you is something good, something glowing, something glorious... Oh, you're going to be healed. You're about to have a breakthrough. Uh, you're about to come into a great financial blessings. God's about to solve all your problems. Everything's going to be just absolutely wonderful. Friends, that's, that's a false prophet. That's a false prophet. Sometimes we need to hear from the man of God something good and encouraging. But sometimes we don't need to hear something good and encouraging. Sometimes we need somebody to get in our faces and confront us and tell us the truth. Church, I pray for you. I pray that you will pursue the glory of God. I pray that if you haven't already, that you'll find the mountain of God and you'll ascend that mountain of His presence and that you'll get in the presence of God and you'll begin to glow and reflect the glory of God and the Holy Spirit will begin to lead you and guide you. But listen to me. Remember, when you come down from that mountain, not everybody has walked where you've walked. Not everybody's seen what you've seen. Not everybody has experienced what you've experienced. And you may need to put a veil on it. Why? For the same reason Moses did. To get them to come close so you can teach them the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit will give you leadership and direction in doing that. It can't be wrong. Did you know that God never told Moses not to do that? Over and over, Moses went in before God, took the veil off, and then he'd go out and he'd put the veil back on. God never told him not to do that. Now, that brings us to the second veil. The second veil, and this is a veil 
that veiled the light and the glory of God. I'm going to just read most of this to you. In the temple in Jerusalem, there was a veil that separated the common people from the glory of God. It veiled the place called the Holy of Holies. A huge veil that covered it so it couldn't be seen. This was the place of God's holy and glorious presence. One of the, only the high priest could go into this sacred place. Now listen, this veil was there because God put it there, because God told them to put it there. It was there for a reason. Like a bride being veiled until the time of her marriage. For thousands of years, the veil was in place, hiding the magnificent beauty and glory of our holy God. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was rent from top to bottom, exposing the holy of holies, the glory of God. God was saying, my son, and what he has just done on Calvary's cross, takes away the veil. The glory of God is now available to everyone through a union with Jesus Christ. The time of a holy spiritual marriage covenant is at hand. No more hiding the glory. The veil has come off. That veil in that temple was rent from top to bottom. God was saying to us, I want you to gaze upon my glory. I want you to experience my glory. I want you to reflect my glory. I want you to live in my glory. That's what God was saying. No longer a separation. No longer a covering. No longer someone hiding it from you. It has now been revealed. Child of God, did you know that you were made for the glory of God? Amen. Do you know that? You were made for the glory of God. You were, you were born and saved to experience the glory of God. You, you don't think for a moment, do you, that you were just saved to keep you out of hell and get you into heaven. That's not what salvation is about. Not just keeping you from going to hell so you can go to heaven. Salvation is more than that. Salvation is about you entering into the presence of God and experiencing the glory of God. Let me give you a scripture. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 to this He called you through our gospel so that you may obtain, say it with me, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that's what God wants us to obtain. The glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is so much more than just making a commitment and joining a church and being baptized. It's about the glory of God. Years ago when I was a young preacher doing uh, a lot of revivals in those days, I was preaching at a church up in, in Georgia. I was seated on the platform one night and the crowd was coming in. And there was one young lady who came in, an older teenager, and I have to tell you that she looked terrible. I mean, her hair was messed up. She, she actually looked to me like she had been drinking or she was on drugs. And... And I looked at her, and she looked about as out of place as a person could look in church. I even wondered what she was doing there. I was glad she was there. But when I looked at her, I couldn't believe just how distraught she looked. And, and, and I didn't think much about it, and, but I, I finally got up and preached. She was one of the first ones that walked down the aisle. 
She took me by the hand and she prayed to receive Christ into her heart. And then the pastor talked with her for a while. And then she left. The next night, we are seated on the platform. And I look out and I see uh, another young woman come in. And when she walked through the door, it was like the glow and the glory of God was on her. Her hair was fixed and beautiful. She was dressed in beautiful clothing. She was smiling and glowing. She, she absolutely looked like an angel. I won't ever forget. I leaned over to the pastor and I said, who is that young lady? And he looked at me and this is what he said. He said, you know who she is. And I said, no, I don't. He said, you met her. I said, I've never met that young lady before. He said, yes, you met her last night. He said, that's the girl that came forward and got saved last night. I said, it can't be. He said, yes, it is. Ask her. After the service, I walked up to her and I said, are you the same young lady that got saved last night? She said, yes, I am. I said, I've never seen anything like this before. She said, I've never experienced anything like this before. (laughs) I said, what happened? I'm the preacher. What happened? She said, you know what happened? I got saved. I said, tell me about it. So help me. I, I remember these words. She said, this was the first thing she said. She said, well... It's kind of hard to explain, but let me say it this way. She said, for the first time in my life, I heard the birds sing this morning. For the first time in my life, I saw the beauty of the heavens and the clouds and the sky. She said, I never knew a tree could be so beautiful. She said, everything's changed. Everything's different. She said it was like, she didn't know anything about the Bible. She said it was like I was dead. (laughs) And now I'm alive. You were saved for the glory of God. You were saved. When Jesus died on that cross, the veil was rent from top to bottom. And God was saying, I want you to enter the Holy of Holies. I want you to enter the glory of God. I don't want you to just be some religious person who shows up at church every now and then, claims to have faith, who's been baptized, and going through the motions and feel like you're... I want you to experience my glory. Well, that brings us to the third veil. The third veil that hides the light of God's glory, this veil is a work of the enemy, Satan himself. Here it is. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4. And even if our gospel... There we go. If even our gospel is veiled... Now, by the way, the gospel was not supposed to be veiled. The the. The veil was rent in the temple. And it's not supposed to be veiled. Is that us? Is that our sound system roaring? Is the Lord coming back? I I mean right now. I know He's coming back. Okay. I tell you what, you listen up. Maybe it's a distraction of the enemy. We don't want him to get us distracted at this point. So, So just listen up. Here's the Scripture. 
And even if our gospel is veiled, it's not supposed to be veiled. Jesus paid the price for it not to be veiled. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world. Now, if you're new to the Bible, that is talking about Satan. Our God is the God of heaven and earth. But the Bible refers to Satan as the God of this world. In their case, the God of this world has, do you see it? Blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, the veil in the temple was rent. It was torn. It was taken away. God wanted us to experience the glory. But the God of this world is still veiling the truth of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to keep us from seeing it. The enemy does not want any of us to see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. He doesn't want any of us to see it. By the way, even if you're a Christian, he wants to keep putting that veil back over your eyes. If you're not a Christian, he wants to keep that veil over your eyes. And and I mean, I want to encourage you, please hear what I'm about to say. Don't be too tough on lost people. Don't beat them up. They need prayer. They need witnessing. They need loving. But don't be too tough on lost people. Do you know why? Because they can't help it. The enemy of all righteousness, the God of this age, the God of this world, has a veil over their eyes. He's blinding them. It is His work. And and it's our work to be ambassadors. But don't beat them up. They can't see just like we couldn't see before we met the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one way for that veil to be removed. Only one way. Here it is. I'll show you right in the Scriptures. 2 Corinthians 3, 14 through 16. But their minds were blinded. This is talking about the whole Jewish nation that rejected Christ. For their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. There's a veil there because the veil, say it with me, is taken away in Christ. You see, what they were doing is they were reading the Word, but they were rejecting Jesus Christ. You can't circumvent the Lord Jesus Christ and get to the glory of God. They were studying the Word, but rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts, just like lost people around us today. I want you to read verse 16 with me. I love this. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord... The veil is taken away. Whoo! Wow. That, that, that's good stuff right there. Let's just say there's someone here in the house this morning. And you're at the point. You say, okay, pastor, I get it. I receive it. I believe it. I'm ready to turn to the Lord. I'm ready to ask Him to forgive me. And I'm ready to ask Him to be the Lord of my life. What should I expect? 
I'm glad you asked. Now, I could spend an hour telling you what I think you should expect, but wouldn't you rather hear it right out of God's Word? Here's what you should expect. 2 Corinthians 3.18 But we all... Now, this is not talking about all mankind. This is not talking about all the people in the world. But we all, talking about those of us who have turned to the Lord, those of us who have done exactly what the Scripture says, nevertheless, those who turn to the Lord... The veil is taken away. But we all, with what? Unveiled face. Why Why is it unveiled? Because we turn to the Lord. And when you turn to the Lord, the veil is taken away. But we all, with unveiled face, behold, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. You see, friends, the first thing that happens to you when you turn to the Lord When anybody turns to the Lord, the first thing that happens is the veil is removed. And when the veil is removed, you can start seeing and beholding the glory of the Lord. That would be enough if we stopped there. But it goes on to say, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. When a man, woman, boy, or girl makes up their mind to turn to the Lord. There's there's a, a, a sequence of things that begins to take place. The veil is removed, and they begin to see the glory. Not all the glory. You couldn't take it. None of us could. But you begin to see glimpses of glory. You begin to see truth like you've never seen it before. You begin to understand things that you've never been able to understand before. You begin to see the glory... And then, just like Moses, you won't even be aware of it, but you'll start being transformed into the very glory that you were gazing upon. And then, hold on. Hold on. You say, Pastor, how is that even possible? The last statement there tells us, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. You turn to the Lord, the veil comes off, you begin to see the glory of God, and when you begin to see the glory of God, it begins to change you, and the Holy Spirit gets involved in that work, and the Spirit does that work in your life. By the way, doesn't that sound a lot like what happened to Moses on the mountain? Doesn't it? It's absolutely amazing to experience this. It's amazing to just watch it in somebody else. How many of you have ever seen that farmer's insurance commercial? You seen that? <coughs> we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. I got to tell you, friends, I've been around a long time. And I know this is true of many of you, but I know a thing or two because I've seen a thing or two. I baptized a man who was guilty of murder. He confessed it. He admitted to it. Spent years in prison. I baptized him. And the glory of God was on him. He was radiating with the glory of God. I've had a former prostitute stand in this pulpit more than once 
and share and minister the gospel glowing with excitement. (laughs) I've had a former lesbian stand here and lead the worship in this church who had a contagious glory about her that shook this whole church. By the way, she'll be back in about three or four weeks and she'll be leading worship right here. We are in for a blessing. I've seen men who were alcoholics and drug addicts and porn addicts and abusive to their family members. I've seen them become men of God filled with the glory of God radiating that glory. I've seen people who were involved in all manner of sin start going through a transformation process and start shining with the glory of God. I've seen church members lose their way, fall out of church. Christian people who loved the Lord at one time, and, and, and the enemy deceived them. And they were depressed and discouraged and ready to give up. And I've watched them turn around and come back and be renewed and revived and start shining with the glory of God. Oh, those are great stories. Can I share one with you that's better than all of those? Better, a thousand times better than that? I've seen young people Young people who got it right from the beginning and never fell into the bondage of sin and from an early age decided they would surrender their lives and they started walking in the glory of God and God was using them mightily. Do you know what all of these people have in common? From the murderer to the teenager, they all have one thing in common. All of them. No exception. They turned to the Lord. The veil was removed. They beheld His glory. And that glory started changing them. And they started reflecting the glory of God. We call it salvation. But really, really, that just that's not adequate, is it? It's not just salvation. It's transformation. It's glorification. It's sanctification. It's beautification. It's magnification. It's manifestation of the glory of God. He saves us so that we can start reflecting His holy glory. Well, there you have it. A tale of three veils. Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.